Most of you know that I have never had a traditional job. I had a bunch of failed internships back in my prime youth time and before I got my show at Disney, I had never worked a corporate job. But to put on this episode, I wanted to really understand why so many people hate their jobs. And the reason I think so many people hate their jobs is because I know a lot of people who hate their jobs. During my research, I found out that it actually says that 50% of American people, according to a website called Zipia, hate their jobs. And so I really got thinking. I'm an entrepreneur and there are many days where, I don't love to use the word hate, but there are many days where I'm like, I don't want to work today. I guess it doesn't mean that I hate my job, but sure, every day for me at this point in my career feels like work, and so I really have to actively try and find a balance because otherwise I frequently feel like I'm losing my mind. And maybe you feel like that in your corporate job too. Or maybe you also have friends like I do who have jumped around tons of different jobs, can't figure out what they really want to do, and don't know what to do with their life. And so then it goes into questions of self-doubt and imposter syndrome, not feeling good enough, not feeling like you're ever going to be happy. And so I'm really on a mission to make sure that people find in some capacity what their passion and their purpose is at as young of an age as possible so that you don't spend so many years hating your job. I feel like if you follow me, you're also one of those people who is trying to early on counteract things like divorce and hating your life and leading a life that you never envisioned to lead when you could have led your dream life because you were too scared or you got too stuck in the moment. And so if you're listening to this episode, I really encourage you to take away everything that my guest today has to say as well as everything I say throughout the episode because there's a lot of meaning in listening to other people who have come from corporate backgrounds and have now pursued companies and have done it really successfully. So I'm having Jonathan on the podcast today. If you follow me on Instagram, if you don't, my Instagram is at Alexa underscore Curtis. I did an Instagram live with Jonathan some time ago and was bombarded with hundreds of questions about finding your dream job and tips to putting on your resume. Now, John's story is really unique. I can't even remember how we connected, but we connected before he had amassed this major platform. And now we really go back and forth and bounce ideas off of each other. I've helped him get some press and the media, and I am just so incredibly proud of him. And the coolest thing about him is he's so humble, and I love interviewing founders, and especially ones that I consider my friends to be at this point, because it's so cool to see people start things with no expectations and we both agree that that is almost part of the process to be the most successful is to go into it not expecting anything but before I bring Jonathan on I do believe fearless on localish is supposed to come out this week and I'm so excited for you guys to see it I know it's been a few months at this point I feel like my life has totally changed since uh and more of the personal side of my life but I feel like a lot of things have changed since I filmed this pilot episode but that still means that I am just as passionate about it just as excited and really encourage you to watch it and tell me what you like about it what you don't like about it my goal is that I can do more work with localish and I feel like this is a kind of a catalyst to hopefully starting off some more projects with them or any other type of project in the TV space, which is and was my intention when I left Radio Disney. So definitely watch it. Let me know what you think and share it and promote it and stuff and tag the girls as well that I interviewed, Coco and Breezy. They are so dope and it was such a blast. But without further ado, Jonathan, thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you here and you have so much great feedback and opinion. So let's get right into this. 
Okay, John, thank you so much for being on the new unfiltered today. I did an Instagram live with you. I don't even know how many months ago now, not too long ago and was flooded with questions about (laughs) not only building your own brand, but how to land your dream job and just so many other topics. So I think what most people are probably most curious about is how you started this company and your background and whatnot in tech and have now built it out, really utilizing social media. So tell me why you even decided to start talking about how people can capitalize on doing things like landing their dream job and whatnot. Of course. Well, Alexa, first off, thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, the IG live seems like such a long time ago, but it seems like it was just yesterday. I know. (laughs) um, But yeah, so basically a little background about me. So I'm Jonathan, CEO, co-founder of Juan Solting. Um, And yeah, Juan Solting, the idea basically started when I was in college, actually, and I went to had a non-target school, non-traditional background, which is basically where a lot of the job opportunities, not a lot of them went to my school. And so I remember just applying to all the different roles and was expecting responses back from the companies because I thought that I had a great resume and I thought I had a good background, but all I would receive is usually rejection emails. And I realized that especially coming from my background, you have to utilize unconventional methods to get to where you want to be. So when I was going for jobs, like at the Snapchats to Googles and the Cisco's of the world, I'll just utilize LinkedIn and social media to get there, right? So for example, for Snapchat, use LinkedIn message, for Google actually made LinkedIn content to get there. And then Cisco was all about personal branding. And this really sparked my interest in starting my own company while consulting when I was at Google, because when I was there, not a lot of people came from my background. It was a lot of individuals that came from the, the Ivy Leagues of the world. And I realized that there was a huge gap between students and job seekers who came from non-target schools and non-traditional backgrounds to get into their dream careers. So basically my why has been to bridge that gap. And so far I've been able to help millions of individuals. I think I now have a following of one point. 2 million and 1.8 million combined with all of one solting. And it's just all been through the past year and uh, can't be thankful enough for all my supporters. And of course you, Alexa, you've helped me a ton, especially with figuring out a lot of the different things um, about my, my own entrepreneurship journey. So. Oh my gosh, that makes me so happy. And I just realized I totally forgot to even send you the virtual assistant person. So remind me after this, but I am, I'm really I'm really curious, when did you start realizing that there was this need to help people who were trying to get dream jobs and stuff like that? Yeah. So when I was actually at Google, so a lot of people would reach out to me and it's kind of expected, especially working with one of the big companies where a lot of people call the dream companies. And I realized a lot of them were asking me for help and they always would tell me like, Hey, Jonathan, like, how do I get in? I don't come from a big school. I don't come from a Stanford or Yale or Harvard. How do I get in? And I was one of the only individuals that was able to kind of break into those companies and had to teach them those different ways of how to get in those companies through LinkedIn. But the thing is, it's crazy because not a lot of people know about the opportunities you can utilize by landing a dream job without even applying. So I think there was a huge gap that I saw with information because the individuals that were going to these big name schools, they were getting to the big name companies. And the ones from the smaller schools or the unconventional backgrounds, they would compare themselves directly to those individuals and be like, damn, like, why am I not like that person? 
So it's all about bridging that gap. And it's also all about that mental capacity in which we're able to help people get into those companies and realize to them that, dang, I can actually make it. Did you ever anticipate being an entrepreneur? Was that something that came to mind even when you were at Google? <laughs> no, actually. It's so it's so interesting, Alexa. So when I was in college, I honestly thought I was just going to be a retail store manager. I kid you not. Um, and nothing against retail managers, but like I really thought that I was just going to go because uh, I interned in, in retail and I thought I was just going to do an assistant manager role, then go to a, a store manager. And then I shifted my mindset. I was like, okay, let me try to go for big four in consulting. I was never able to get into that because a lot of the opportunities didn't come to my school. And then when I applied to them, we'll just get rejected right away. So entrepreneurship really came about because that side hustle, which was consulting at the time, really did become a main hustle. And that's why I encourage a lot of individuals, like if you're trying to start something, like work at a big company, right? And then what you do is you can work on that side hustle and see if it's good. And if it overtakes your life, turn that into a main hustle. And that's exactly what I did with consulting. And I always tell people as well, never quit your day job before you're yeah. ready. Did you feel like there was a moment though, where you were like, I am ready now uh, that you can kind of advise other people who maybe are thinking about pursuing entrepreneurship, but they don't know when that exact timing is. I think that that's something that I really try and figure out and understand with people when I speak to them is when is the right time to quit that, quit that job and pursue entrepreneurship because it's so scary. Yes. 100% Alexa. I think that what I tell people all the time is, you know, it sounds cliche, but like, it'll, it'll come to you. Like you'll know. And the reason why you'll know is because your side hustle will be something that you're truly passionate about, or you're truly enjoying doing. And that's what, what I felt when I was doing workshops at so many different universities and organizations and companies, I felt extremely happy doing it. And in my corporate role, I mean, it was great to pay the bills, but I realized that my side hustle could be monetized in a way which could be able to fund my life. Right? So how it kind of came about for me was, yeah, I worked in corporate for almost five years. And what happened was basically the pandemic kind of spearheaded that or accelerated that for me to go full time because I realized like, dang, like my side hustle is taking over my life. Would I rather take the leap now or wait? And sometimes you just have to take the leap. And when you take the leap, if it fails, it's totally fine. You know what you do? You just go back into the corporate life, right? But of course you don't want to regret anything for your side hustle, if you think it could be grown immensely, just go for it. But also find other individuals who are successful in their respective fields that you're trying to grow in for your business. Try to find these individuals so you can get mentored by them and also follow in their footsteps. Oh, ding, ding, mentorship is key. I know everyone who listens to anything that I do is pretty aware of my interest in mentorship. And I didn't really ever have any mentors and I definitely never worked a corporate job. So I really came from this background of being like, how do I do this? How do you scale it? None of this makes any sense. And so hopefully anyone who listens to me can try and understand some of the mistakes that I've made along the way to surpass that and just be successful. But what are, what are some, and who are some mentors that you've had that have really impacted you? Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting. Alex. I just spoke about this on uh, Fox on Friday. I talked all about mentorship. Was it the St. Uh, Louis one? What was that? I saw the Fox St. Louis segment. Yes, that one. Exactly. Yeah, that one. So 
uh, yeah, I mean, I've had so many mentors throughout my life. I think a lot of people have the misconception that you only have one mentor, but there's so many mentors in different aspects in different industries. So for example, for me, I have a mentor, I have mentors who are in tech, of course. So shout out to one of my mentors, Linda King. She's at LinkedIn. I have a lot of, a lot of them work at LinkedIn. It's kind of funny. Um, a lot of them work at LinkedIn. Some of them worked at Cisco before. Shout out to one of my mentors, Justin. I think mentorship is amazing. And Alexia, of course, you can attest to this. But everybody always remember that mentorship is a two-way street. And why I say this is because a lot of people think that your mentor should be helping you throughout everything, which they can be. But as a mentee, you should always ask your mentor, like, hey, like, can I help with anything you're working on? Because you never know, right? It's just a good gesture to have. So I think mentorship is going to be extremely important because you're going to be looking up to these individuals who work in the companies or, or are entrepreneurs, and they'll be able to guide you down the path towards success because their businesses or their work in a corporate setting has been successful as well. So true. And the tech mentors that you've had. So I, uh, what was I doing? I can't remember. Oh, I, I did a, a talk at UT, I think actually last week. And someone mentioned, uh, you know, if someone has a company that they want to pursue, right? And I'd like to get your opinion on this. And say the company is in beauty or tech. That doesn't mean that you need a mentor per se in beauty or tech. For example, yeah. if you want to start you know, a beauty company, having a mentor in any even realm of e-commerce can be practical, don't you think? Or do you need to find a mentor in that exact category of beauty that you've pursued? Yeah, I think that mentorship, so... There's definitely a difference between mentors, mentors and champions or sponsors, right? So the mentors really do help with that emotional support, with that sort of guidance. Like, for example, like a mentor for me would be my mom or my dad, right? Because they've been emotionally there. So I think that mentorship is important, especially with your mental health. I think that part with the champions or the advocates or the supporters or, or the sponsors, these individuals are going to be the ones that if you want to go into a, a specific company, so for example, like, let's just say you said beauty, let's just say Sephora, and you have someone who's a champion who works at that company, the champion is going to be your advocate or someone who's going to push your resume or push you internally at the company to be like, hey, like Alexa is an amazing candidate. I think she's great because X, Y, Z, I love to introduce uh, her to you. And it could be a hiring manager, right? So yeah, you don't necessarily have to have a specific mentor in the direct industry that you're in. But if you have some champions or sponsors in those industries that are advocating for you, they're going to be able to help you break into your dream industry. And what about actually going about, I always like to ask people, what about going and asking someone to be your mentor? Because for example, maybe you're like me and you didn't go to college. How do you ask someone, will you mentor me? Is it just as simple as sending the email? Is there a lot more associated with starting that relationship off? Yeah, I think there's different ways how you can get a mentor. So for me, I've never actually even went up to someone and been like, hey, Alexa, be my mentor, right? It's mostly been very organic. So what I tell people all the time is like, if anybody ever takes 15 to 30 minutes out of their day to help you, that means they're mentoring you, right? No one would ever take that time and they're working, let's say, a nine to five, or they have a very tight schedule to speak with you if they didn't want to help you. So those individuals are actually already mentoring you. And what I used to do all the time is I'd stay in touch with my mentors and what I would say at the end of my emails or my LinkedIn messages, I would say, thank you for your mentorship. 
no one would ever say, oh, I'm not your mentor, <laughs> right? They'd just be like, you're welcome, right? So I think that's one part of finding a mentor. It very happens, or, happens organically. Number two, you can actually find mentors very easily on LinkedIn. If you connect with people who are in the same al alumni or university, the same organizations you're a part of, the same background, right? Embracing your diversity. Lastly, what you can also do is if you actually just search mentor or mentorship on LinkedIn and you filter directly to posts, you can actually find everybody who's giving out mentorship for free. So those are just three different ways of how you can find a mentor, especially during these times. And it's going to be able to accelerate your growth in your career. And sometimes a lot of people need to realize that if you're not willing to put in the work, it might be one of the reasons that you're not doing well at your job or that you're not getting exactly what you want out of that mentorship relationship because you aren't willing to go on LinkedIn. I mean, Jonathan, what you've done with LinkedIn is incredible, but it's not something that just came overnight, right? Like you didn't just go on LinkedIn and we're like, I'm going to amass hundreds of thousands of followers in a night and like, boom, it happened, right? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. In the past about a year, I think I gained about a hundred 30,000 followers on LinkedIn, which has been uh, in the past year, which has been wonderful. But yeah, especially when starting on LinkedIn, it's definitely a process. But the hardest part, and Alexa, you can attest to this to anything, the hardest part about starting anything, whether it's creating content or your own business is just starting, <laughs> right? Because you get this imposter syndrome where you think that you're not good enough, or you feel like you'll get some backlash or feedback from individuals that might not have the same vision as you. When in reality, you are going to have 99% of people who support you rather than the 1% who don't. The hardest part of starting is trying to get over that imposter syndrome. And have you experienced, exactly. have you experienced that while being an entrepreneur or with your time in the corporate world? 100% all the time. And you probably have experienced this too as well. I experience a lot of a individuals who have been very experienced in the fields of, let's just say, career development. I, I think it's a sort of ageism because I'm, I'm still young, right? Like I'm 26 years old and I'm giving a lot of different career advice. And some people always be like, oh, like you're too young to do that. Or like, you don't have enough experience. And that's totally fine. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's good to respect other individuals' opinions. But the thing is, you should never let that being you bring you down. And the reason why is because if you let those individuals bring you down, you're never going to be successful. Right. So utilize that as fire to the flame to keep on going, maybe even collaborate those individuals and learn from them. Right. For me, like a lot of individuals in the career space, like I try to be friends with most people and most people are very receptive to it because we love just helping people get jobs because that's the main goal of it. You are so good with people. And I, have talked to a lot of investors. I haven't actually taken any outside capital um, from yeah. it at this point yet. And I think that's something I certainly will be considering in the future. But mm. anytime an investor wants to invest in anything, they're investing in the person. They're not always investing. Maybe it is a million dollar idea, but a lot of times it comes to the entrepreneur. How much are they willing to work and how much are they willing to get their feet dirty? So has that been part of something you're thinking about for one salting in the future is going down the VC route or potentially needing or wanting to get funding yeah oh, this is a this is such a great question because i we've been hit up a lot by vcs but we haven't really considered it yet but we are thinking of it for the new year i actually just spoke with one of them yesterday which was uh, this is so it's perfect timing yeah i think especially with 
scaling and growing, eventually going to need it. But yeah, like for, for me and for you, like it's been completely bootstrapped, right? Like I'm actually hiring my first uh, two employees full-time because most people on consulting are, are either part-time or interns. So I'm actually hiring my first two people full-time uh, in the next couple of weeks, which has been amazing. But just a test to the work that both of us are doing, right? Like if we're able to bootstrap it, and then like you said before, if a VC or someone recognizes and be like, dang, like I wanna work with that person. I think that part is extremely important because like I said before, everything should be a two-way street, not just a one-way street. And it's scary though, the hiring and the outsourcing and <laughs> when you start, and I think what's so cool about both of both of our brands is that they weren't started with any expectation. There was no, yeah. you know, there was no expectation. This is going to become something. And I am always really, really uh, convinced that the most successful entrepreneurs, a lot of times go into it without having any expectations. And do you think if you had started right out of college and been like, I'm going to start this platform and help people land their dream jobs, do you think it would be as successful as it is today? Or did you really find the most success having some element of a corporate background, making those mentors and then pursuing entrepreneurship full time? Definitely the latter. I think if I graduated and I started consulting, it wouldn't be as successful as it is today. And just, just to be honest. And the reason being is because of the credibility part, right? So I wanted to break into all the different companies like in startup and corporate, um, and I wanted to break into those companies to just learn about how their job search process is, right? And the reason why I didn't jump directly into entrepreneurship, or I didn't really consider it is because I wanted to learn from the best of the best, because when you see a large corporate company being successful and you're able to utilize the same processes for your own company or its same management style, you're going to be able to have a very successful company too as well. So yeah, when uh, starting consulting, definitely, like, I think the credibility part, especially with Snapchat and Google and Cisco on my resume plays uh, a huge effect because the job search strategies that I'm teaching, those are things that I'm like, oh yeah, I've already done it. What I tell people all the time is like the strategies that I teach every single day are things that I personally utilize to get into my own companies. And that's why I share them because I want to make sure that individuals see the different perspectives that individuals have especially on their job search, which will allow them to get their own dream job. And let's talk about that part now to wrap out this episode, the process of getting your dream job. What are you noticing, John, that people are coming to you saying is making it difficult for people to land their dream jobs right now, or even during that interview process? Uh, what are people really struggling with right now, leaving for the most part, this pandemic as much as we can and trying to pursue going back to regular life? Yeah. So two different things. Number one, the emotional side. So a lot of individuals will get rejected by their roles and they will just simply apply. They'll get rejected and they will take five steps back and they'll think to themselves, ah, oh, I'm not good enough. When in fact you are, you just have to strategize correctly to get to where you want to be. So I think that emotional part is extremely important because we've seen that the individuals that are resistant, the ones that are literally keep on going despite getting rejected for jobs. They look at rejection as truly redirection. Those are the people that are getting most successful because if you think about it, if you keep on going for your job search, you should not be unemployed for more than nine months, right? So that is the first part. The second part that I'm seeing is a lot of people will reach out to me like, hey, Jonathan, I've been applying at so many different roles. I'm not getting any responses. What am I doing wrong? And the thing they're doing wrong is 
they're simply applying. <laughs> and the reason why I say this, and people are like, what the heck, like, how is that even possible? They're, the companies are hiring very little people. If you simply apply on a career's website, and let's just say you apply to, I don't know, like YouTube's product analyst position, probably a thousand applications, random referrals, which are people randomly at the company, let's say software engineer refers you for product analyst role, let's just say 50, but to actually get recommendations by the hiring team, which is someone on the team, let's say a product analyst, a fellow product analyst recommending you for a product analyst role, or a hiring manager, which would be, let's just say a head of product, and they have a head of a product analyst they're hiring, those are the individuals you want to get recommendations from because they're probably only hiring one or two roles, right? Mm -hmm. So be sure that you are not only just applying, but networking with individuals. And also people have to make sure that they're applying to the right roles. Like Alexa, I see people who just graduated, they're applying to marketing manager's positions. It's like you have to start with the entry level positions before going to those manager level positions. That's why sometimes people just get rejected. But as I say all the time, rejection is redirection. Ah, I love that quote. Yeah, no, you're so right. I'm curious though, when you said something about not or being unemployed for, for nine months, uh, why is that not okay? Yeah, because what happens is what we've seen, like the individuals that we've worked with for Juan Solting, usually they will find a job in about three months, right? And we actually just launched a program for the 20. We launched a second cohort, but the first cohort, most of them actually landed uh, full-time offers uh, in less than nine months, right? The thing is they get a lot of different interviews. People get a lot of interviews. Sometimes they get rejected, et cetera. But if you just think about it, there's so many companies actually out there that are hiring. Yeah. It's just that people don't know. Like in the news, it's always like, oh, all these companies are hiring. But people are always like, well, where are they hiring? Like, I don't see it. The reason why is because there's this hidden job market where individuals will go get referrals first before going externally to post their roles that's the hidden job market you have to find. And that's found through networking. Oh, that's interesting. I actually never, I never thought of that. Even the idea of a somewhat of a, of a hidden job market. Um, yeah. And I was going to, Alexa, I was the hidden job market is like, for example, for me, I'm hiring five roles right now uh, for social media marketing, uh, social media marketing position right now. All right. And uh, actually I'll give you an example. I was going to hire an executive operations uh, intern and I was going to post it externally. But the thing was, one of my friends just recommended me someone, didn't have to interview anybody else, gave him the job, right? So there is a hidden job market out there because companies will post their roles online because they can't find anybody internally, right? Or they can't find any recommendations to fill it. Like if I were a recruiter and I got a thousand, would, would I rather interview one person who's a great candidate or would I rather have to, inter have to look through 5,000 resumes, right? So that's why. I've got a friend, a good friend of mine, and she, uh, and I, I never really know what to tell her. I'm kind of at the end of my road with her in advice. Cause I don't know what the right thing to say is, but she worked in PR for years, went to a good college, got tons of jobs in PR, hated them all, got another job, moved to LA, you know, hates this job now keeps getting rejected by all these other companies. Sometimes I want to say to her, Maybe are you just too picky? Maybe the job that you're looking oh, for yes. doesn't exist uh, because you're always so unhappy, but you're constantly switching jobs. And so this is a two-part question. And I would say the number one part of this question I'm curious about is, uh, is she is she too picky? And number two, 
are companies now not interested in hiring her because she moves around so much and, and potentially uh. that on her resume or does that not matter? Because I mean, it's, and again, I didn't have a corporate background, so I don't really know, but I would ideally think that everyone will land their dream job and it will become, you know, something that they're really passionate about. But I assume that there's people out there who hate their job for the rest of their lives and maybe they just suck it up. Yeah, this is such a great question. So the reason why that if you are, let's just say you're, you keep applying to roles in your dream company or your dream industry and you keep getting rejected from them. There's so many, there's, there's many different reasons why you would be rejected. But one of the most important parts is that you might not be qualified enough. Now, let me explain. The thing is what happens is as like, for example, like I'm a hiring manager for consulting, right? And you too, Alexa, like you're, you're hiring manager for your own company. And what I look for are people who literally fit all the qualifications because I'm hiring one person, you know? So I think it's very important to fit the qualifications and you have to start somewhere. I think what happens is a lot of people think that you can go graduate and then go work at a Google right away. It's very difficult. If you actually look at the statistics and if you actually look online, you can go look for people who start at Google coming from college. I guarantee you most of them are from big name schools or like Ivy League schools, right? So that's the first part. You have to make sure that you're qualified enough and you have to start somewhere if you're not. Like for me, I would never be able to get into Google or Cisco if I never worked at Snapchat. Right. So that's the first part. And then the second part about the job hopping, I think the job hopping is totally fine. For me, I've actually job hopped. So I was at Snap for eight months. Unfortunately, our team got outsourced after eight months because Snapchat wasn't doing too well. But then I went to Google for about a year and a half, two years. And then I went to Cisco for about a year. Right. But the job hopping occurred because I optimized my LinkedIn profile towards the industry or field I was trying to get into. So always remember that it's okay to job hop, but don't do it too much. Cause then people would probably know like, Oh shoot, this person is literally job hopping every four months. It's a little bit too short of a time frame. because I would think as a hiring manager, you would probably jump from my role after a few months and then I had to go look again and put out a rec. So so many different factors, but I would say those two things. Even if you really don't like your job, I feel for people though, who, yeah, who don't like their job. And it's kind of like, I don't know. I don't know what to tell her. All I know is that I, I don't, I definitely wouldn't, I wouldn't want to, to experience what she's going through. It just seems like it's not working for her at all. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, what, so what would you exactly say to her? I'm not going to say her name, obviously, but you know, yeah. um, whatever, Morgan, I'll, we'll put that out there. Morgan, here's what you need to do. She just, I know she just got uh, denied from Amazon and I guess they had let her on for three months. Oh, oh my gosh. Morgan says more. Yeah. So what I would say is there's so many different things, but always remember the job search is in your control. Now, why I say this is because like I teach all unconventional strategies of not just simply applying. So I'm actually giving you examples. So the LinkedIn creators accelerator program, uh, I got in, all right. I, I don't know if this podcast will be announced before November 30th, but I'm supposed to announce it. On Monday. November 30th, but, oh, Monday. Okay. Monday. Well, People will maybe know before, but it's okay. It's all good. Um, but the reason why I was able to kind of get my foot in the door there is because I made a video and I posted it on LinkedIn and I like, it went pretty, did pretty well. And I think it got picked up. And I think that's one of the reasons why, but why I'm saying this, I'm giving a comparison is because for you, if you are job searching there, there's something happening called a great resignation right now where people are resigning from their jobs. 
and they're trying to find new ones. Mm -hmm. So what you could do is you can make a LinkedIn post talking about like, I, I don't know if Morgan, if she's working right now, but if you are not working, I would make a LinkedIn post, tag people who have high following that have hiring managers or recruiters connected to them. So then what happens is if they comment and like it, like Morgan, feel free to tag me or connect with me. If they like and comment on it, everyone's going to see it. And then you get reactive opportunities. I call it reactive recruiting. So then people will go reach out to you and be like, Hey, I want to recruit you. Right. So that's the first part. If you're still working in your job, you instead just share your story on LinkedIn, share your story, what you're interested or what you're doing in your role. And at the end, instead of saying, I'm looking for a job just say, I love to connect with uh, other professionals in, let's just say sales. If you're in the sales industry or in the tech industry, let's connect. Because mm-hmm. instead you're welcoming people to connect with you as fellow tech employees, rather than saying, hey, I'm looking for a job, right? So those are two things. Another thing too as well is, I think the power of finding people who work, who previously worked at the current company you're at right now, networking with them. It's actually so much so easy. So when I was at Snapchat, what I would do is I put my past company as Snap. I still was at Snapchat. I put the current company as Google on LinkedIn filters. I searched the exact role I was interested in. Let's just say operations manager. What would happen is it would show me all of the individuals who are operations managers that work at Google currently that previously worked at Snap. Now, why do I want to do this? The reason why I want to do this is because I work at Snap right now. I can literally go follow in their footsteps and they would feel empathy for me because they were just like me a few years ago, for example. Mm-hmm. So three strategies right there. Hopefully it's helpful. No, all of that. And that's a really great idea. And I mean, this is why I was so excited to talk to you is because of the fact that I think you have these outside of the box ideas that are actually really easy to implement in your life. And even how you've built up the the LinkedIn and uh, even with your corporate background, I mean, everyone who's listened to this episode through to this point, a great thing to do would be to utilize LinkedIn and to put feelers out there the same way that if you want to start a company, you don't have the money you're not gonna, you're not gonna have any success by just sitting behind the scenes saying, okay, I don't have the money. I'm giving this up. You need to go get money from people that, you know, you need to crowdsource, you need to Kickstarter. I mean, there is no shame in hustling. Don't you agree? hundred percent. I think that what a lot of people will get into though, is like they'll work 80 hour weeks sometimes for their main, for their, for their hustle. Right. Of course you can do those some days. Like people say all the time, don't do that. But honestly, some days you can do that. Just don't do it every day. But I think that, like you said, hustling for it, I think it's going to be very important because your company doesn't grow unless you make it and help it grow. Right. So it's very important, especially when you're building your business to have an amazing team. I think an amazing team is extremely important. Like I have Jerry, for example, he helps me a lot with the operational side because I'm not as operation sufficient. Right. So I think having that support system or an amazing team is going to put you over the edge to get you where you want to be. Having that support system as well as realizing that you aren't good at everything is something I really now value as an entrepreneur. And I mean, I outsource a lot of things and I, I, I wouldn't say I lose a lot of money, but I, I would say I net a lot less money because I outsource so much stuff, but it's also to build a successful brand. You have to realize what you're good at. Uh, And I would say things for me like graphic design and taxes and accounting. It's just, it's not in my purview. I can't do it. So know what you're good at and then focus on, 
on everything else uh, and and give yourself a break. John, where do you envision one salting and yourself being in the next five years? I mean, the world is your oyster. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that advice, Alexa. And yeah, I mean, for Juan Salting, uh, hopefully we've been able to partner with a lot of different career centers, um, grow a lot in terms of educating more individuals of how to get a job when they graduate, for example. I think the educational part, especially with the job search, is going to be important because I feel like, I mean, career centers are amazing. They do amazing work. But it's we we get like we partner with universities all the time, and they always tell us like, how do you all do it? Like you all are so personable, etc. I think the reason being is because we graduated not too long ago, but we've already been able to get into respective companies and share those insights from those respective companies to these students. So I think that's one of the parts, like just building on that. I think another part too, as well as scaling out our the twenty program, I think is going to be very important. I think that mentorship part is extremely like Alexa, you know, is going to be vital with you getting into your career, just growing as a person. So for us, like we just launched our second quarter of the 20 and we had 60, uh, we're supposed to accept 60 people. We had 1500 people apply. So we're just going to keep on growing that and hopefully we're going to have even more cohorts. I cannot wait to continue to follow your progress and success. You are truly an inspiration to me and so many people out there. Where can everyone find out more about you on social media and I guess potentially hire you for your consulting or anyone on your on your team? Give us the spiel. Of course. Yeah. If you want any of our services, everybody, it's resume visions, um, interview prep, job search strategy, LinkedIn profile visions, all those, all that good stuff. You find out on consulting.com. Uh, yeah, I mean, we always partner with different companies or, or universities, especially doing workshops and like partnerships. So anyone's interested, it's on wantsolding.com slash partnerships. And yeah, I mean, you can find me on Instagram at Jonathan Words of Wisdom. You can find me on LinkedIn at Jonathan Javier. And then on TikTok, I actually run the Wantsolting account, which is at Wantsolting. So those would be the best ways to reach out to me. I'm obsessed with your TikTok every time it comes up and you're like eating your lunch and it's like, how to land your dream job. I'm like, this is the best content ever because everything else, so many other content creators, it's so staged and you just like say how it is and you're there. So Jonathan, again, thank you so much for, for being a part of this episode. I know you're incredibly busy, so it was great to have you and everyone else who is listening to this episode, Fearless on Localish is supposed to air this week. So please enjoy that first episode and definitely watch it. Uh, My dream is that they're going to hopefully pick up more episodes from there. So the more that you guys watch and promote it, the more that I have that ability to potentially get this full show and continue to inspire you. Make sure to follow Jonathan on social media as well as myself and the new unfiltered at at Alexa underscore Curtis and at the new unfiltered. And I'll see you guys for a new episode next week. Bye.